We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire here at Heartsease Family Life Church is to see people grow and develop in their walk with God, for all to enter into His best for their lives. For more information in regards to the church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We pray that you will be blessed. ready to receive the word today? Come on, how many are ready to receive the word of God today? I believe I have a message for you all today. And we're going to talk about the practical principles of purity. The practical principles of purity. This is now the third week in dealing on the subject of purity. Living a pure life before God and the others around us. According to God's word, we believe that purity is a very important subject. Not just because we feel, but according to God's word, we believe that God is very specific and very clear when he talks about purity. In other words, if it's important to God, it needs to be important to us. If it's important to God, it's time that we start getting it right in our lives. If not, we will find ourselves spinning a web that will eventually entangle us and destroy us. Why? Because we've discovered that we're not in control. Come on, we've discovered that we're not even part of the control equation. Well, I'm in control of my life. No, you're not. It's either God or it's Satan. There is no in-between. You don't feature in on the list. And you need to both realize and accept that. The Bible tells us, and I don't have the words up, but we should know the verse in John 10.10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but God says, I've come that you may have life. So therefore, from John chapter 10, verse 10, we see clearly laid out for every one of us the result of who is controlling your life. It's either Satan or God, and this is what happens. It's either death, being stolen from, Or destruction, that's what Satan wants to do when he controls your life. Or it's life that is life to the max, the absolute extreme, is what happens when God is in control of our lives. So the question once again this morning is, who are we giving the control of our lives over to? Who's in control of our life? In the realm of purity, because that's where we're talking this morning. What controls your life in the realm of purity What's directing your life? What thoughts are you consumed with? What are you saying? What is your conversation? What are you indulging in today? Again, let's go quickly to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 through 3. Quickly reading this passage of scripture and it says these words, Ephesians 5 verse 1 through 3. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. I'm telling you, if we could just get that verse down, our lives would be completely changed. That means just live like God. Just follow his example. Because to imitate something, you have to first see what that thing is doing. And of course, this is not a thing. This is God. So we need to watch what God is doing and imitate him. 
I don't know if you noticed, but during worship now, what I like to do with my younger kids is I like to have them in front of me during worship and I hold their hands that when I'm worshiping God, I'm lifting their hands up. Why do I do that? Because I want to teach my children how to worship God. I'm not forcing them, their hands, in fact, they hold my fingers, so at any time they can release my hand and put their hands down. But I'm teaching them, why? Because I want them to imitate me when they worship God. I want them to go to realms greater than I worship God. I want them to do that, but I want them to follow the lead. I want to be an imitator of Christ. Do I hear an amen? Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and gave himself for us as an offering and as a sacrifice God to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Verse 3, but fornicators and uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named amongst you that is not fitting for the same. He opened the door to a little old lady that had a luscious apple in her hands. She didn't realize that day that she was opening the door to a wicked witch that was trying to destroy her life. We've got to watch what we open the door of our lives up to because a lot of the things that appear to be as one way are certainly not that way. Let me give you a little help. It's probably that which will intrigue you and that which will entice you It's probably going to be something that is very appealing to you that's going to knock on your door. I don't think Satan's going to throw something out at you to try and appeal and entice and enslave you if it's not going to be attractive or something that has a lure for your life. You know, Satan has been described in the wrong way for so long. What do you mean? Most of us picture Satan as being an ugly man with horns, wearing an all-in-one red pajama suit... With a tail and a pitchfork. I'm sorry. That's not how he looks. The Bible says that Satan is an angel of light. Or appears as an angel of light. That means that he can make himself look to any way he wants to entice, to impel you. That's why we cannot be ignorant of the devices and the attack of Satan. Because he disguises his attack. He has to. Why does he have to? Because if he didn't, we would see it a mile off and we would run. We wouldn't fall victim to those things. But he disguises it. One translation says this from Ephesians 5 verse 3. It says this word, But among you there there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint. So today we're going to look at principles from God's word that I know are going to help you in your life. Notice I said principles from God's word that are going to help you in your life. I didn't say today we're going to rub the lamp and a genie's going to come out. And that's how many people want Christianity to be. Well, I gave my life to Christ and then that's it. God's going to do the rest. God's in control of my life. Is he? Is he? Come on, we want the easy way out. So many times as Christians, we come in here, we sit down on a Sunday, we just open our mouths and say, Pastor, spoon feed us. We don't even want to touch the food with our hands. We want it to be fed to us. We just want the easy way out. Just give me enough that can make me through this week and I'll come back for more next week. It's very sad. 
Some of you right now are writing principles. Great, he's going to give us like four or five principles. If I just do them, then that's all I'll have to do. It's amazing, isn't it? We want the easy way out so many times. I've realized something with biblical principles, and that is this. They involve action and response. They involve action and response. Your action and your response. Your action and your response needs to be implemented to the principles of God's Word in order to produce a product that's going to give you life in your life. In other words, stop looking for shortcuts and easy way outs because you'll have a shallow, indecisive life. I believe there's no better way if we're going to learn on how to be pure and how to walk holy before God than looking at an example of someone who perhaps failed in that area. An example from the Word of God. In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 6, it spells it out for us. It says, now these things became our examples to the extent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. In this passage in 1 Corinthians 10, God lines out things, pitfalls, areas that the children of Israel fell victim to. And God says these things are not just these things, but things are recorded as examples for every one of us. What does that mean? So their failures were exposed for you and I to see that we don't have to fall in the same pits and traps. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. But do we learn? No, we don't. Why don't we learn? Because we are believed the lie it will never happen to. Ever going to happen to me. We can maybe take it to the next spiritual level and say, well, like I'm going to do something as crazy as that. And we can even take it up to the really super spiritual level. And that is, hey, come on, I do live by morals and I do go to church, you know. But it's amazing, isn't it, that we can so easily learn. So easily learn. You know, King David lived a life that was moral, that had morals. He lived a life that was honorable to God. In fact, David was known as a man after the heart of God. David had a knowledge and an intimacy with God that I believe very few of us will ever perhaps come to such a greater level of intimacy and knowledge as David had. But even still, with all that knowledge, with all that intimacy, we see that David screwed up. He messed up. And he messed up really bad. I don't believe that David woke up one morning and said these words to himself. Today I think I'm going to have an affair. Today I think I'm just going to mess up, screw up my life. You see, it doesn't happen like that. You don't just wake up in the morning and say, hey, but you know what? It still happens. I said, it still happens. It still happens. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Samuel chapter 11. These are five verses today that altered completely the life of David. Five verses today from 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 through 5. It says these words, it happened. I think it's so interesting how it begins. It happened. It happened. In the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel 
And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. I need you to remember that, okay? David did not go out. That's a key point that you need to remember. Verse 2 begins with the same words. Then it happened. One evening that David arose from his bed and he walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. Of course she was. Of course she was beautiful. I mean, come on, if she wasn't beautiful, if she wasn't attractive or intriguing, it would have been no temptation to him. Come on now. Satan knew what he was looking for or what was his desires. Remember, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And David's weakest link right now has been exploited. Here's David walking on the roof of his palace. And he's watching a woman bathe. Really what the woman was doing was she was purifying herself after her menstrual cycle. It was a purification process that she was going through. It wasn't just a case of just bathing. It was a ceremony that they would do. And I've read some different scholars that have thought and, and have implied also that perhaps she wasn't as innocent as we perhaps at first glance think. That perhaps she knew that the king would be on that roof. That perhaps she knew that he was going to be watching and that she was in a strategic position. Whether that is right or wrong, who knows. But even still, David, what's wrong with you? David, what's wrong with you? The reason I want to stay here for a second is this. David is on the roof of his palace. There are other scriptures and other references in the Word of God that indicate that the roof of the palace was a place that David would go to seek God. It was almost like his prayer closet. It was his place where he would get alone with God, that he would go up onto the roof and that he would perhaps write songs, but I'm sure he would sing and he would worship, he would pray. It was in that position that God would really speak to him. So here's the thought today before we move on. Satan attacked David at the same place that God spoke to him. Perhaps on the rooftop, David had become complacent. Perhaps on that rooftop where he knew God's presence was, where God spoke to him, perhaps in that place he had got to a complacent state that he had let his guard down just a little bit. How often do we get complacent in our walk? How often do we get complacent in our lives that we begin to say, well, I go to church, I do this, I do that, God speaks to me, but yet, but yet... But yet, we let our guard down. David's in a safe place. I said, David's in a safe place. He's in a place that's comfortable for him. Be careful. Come on, listen to me today. Be careful. Because that place of blessing and communion with God had now become a place of entrance for the wrong things. To come in. 
you need to realize that no area is off base for Satan. When you walk in these doors to come to church, you think Satan waits outside and says, I'll catch you in two hours. Come on, Satan comes right in here with you. Come on, during praise and worship, come on, he's attacking your mind. During the preaching, he's, he's putting you in a sleep mode and you're, you're starting to get tired and, and you're starting to get into a critical mode. Oh, that doesn't, that's not really true. You're starting to get into this fashionable mode. Oh, that's just old-fashioned. That's just old. Come on, Satan comes into church with you. Watch for complacency in your life because a place of blessing can also be an entranceway if we leave our lives unguarded. I can't say that enough. Watch your life. Sometimes we are at the most vulnerable in our lives after God has really moved in our lives. Because we think, well, God has touched me. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to pray. I don't have to do this because God gave me so much. I'm good for two weeks. Watch, watch, watch. No area is off limits for Satan, but perhaps a life that has been totally transformed and changed is a greater target that he's coming after and to take you down. Watch for the rooftop. Come on, watch for the rooftop. Watch for the times when God wants to speak to you, but you allow your mind, you allow your heart to begin to wander and to find other things. Verse 3, so David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? Is she not the wife of Uriah the Hittite? In other words, David, if you're not getting this, she's married and she belongs to someone else. She's off limits. That's what they're saying right there. She's off limits. She's already someone else's wife. Then David sent messengers, and he took her. And she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurities. And she returned to her own house. Verse 5, and the woman conceived. So she sent and told David and she said these words to David. I am with child. Wow. That's not the news he neither expected. And it's certainly not the news that he wished or wanted to hear. But listen to me. Through a wrong decision... Others followed, and now David's in trouble. And I want to look at some lessons that we can see from these five verses this morning that I really believe will help us. Lessons that you and I must learn. Thank God that David screwed up so we don't have to. Thank God that others screwed up so we don't have to. Come on, let's begin to learn. Let's begin to learn. Let's begin to implement the Word of God into our lives so it will change us. Lesson number one, watch for temptation. Watch for temptation. I know some of you are wanting something so superly profound that was going to knock you off your seat. But you know what? I've learned this. The simple practical things are still the best things. Watch for temptation. That's what we read of in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. It tells us that there is a temptation that's out there that is common to all man. That we all fall victim to it. That scripture tells us that none are immune to it. But listen to me. None have to fall victim to it. The Bible says that God is our way of escape. That he will be faithful in the midst of the temptation. So don't say, well, pastor said temptation comes to everyone. I guess I'm just going to have to fail. Yes, many of us have failed and we're going to continue to fail. But listen to me. In the strength of God, we don't have to. 
We don't have to. It's not a question, therefore, of whether temptation is going to come in your life. It's a question of when it comes and how it comes. How is temptation going to present itself to you and how is it going to present itself to me? Come on, say these words with me. It's coming. Come on, say these words with me. It's coming. Are you ready for it? Are you prepared for the temptation that's going to come? One of the things that is a major thing that I believe that really makes us more susceptible to temptation. I didn't say that if we stay in a different place, we won't be. But what makes us more susceptible to temptation is this, being in the wrong place. Being in the wrong place. David should not have been at home. David should not have been at home that night when he couldn't sleep. I wonder why he couldn't sleep. Think he ate too much pizza, Daryl? I don't think so. Think he had acid reflux? I don't even think they probably had it back then. Their food was too good. Think he had leg cramps? No, I believe that something woke him up that night. That he so happened to, come on. Because he was in the wrong place, wrong things begin to happen. Come on, listen to me right now. If you're in the wrong place, there's not just one thing that's going to happen that's wrong. There's going to be a string of wrong things that's going to begin to take place. So David shouldn't have been at home. It was the king's responsibility to lead his people into battle. Whenever they went out and they happened to go out in spring, I think that's funny. In the springtime, when the kings go to war, it's like, oh, it's spring. Let's go and fight. But in the springtime, when the kings went to war, David should have been the one who was leading them. But instead, he sent others in his place. His place. Temptation has a homing device that is locked into a person who is out of their place. It's much easier to stop sliding down a hill when you are near the top than when you are halfway down. Are you in the wrong place? Come on today, are you in the wrong place? Are you in the wrong place physically as in location-wise? Are you in the wrong place emotionally? Are you in the wrong place in the relationships that you're involved in? Or the education or all these things. I mean, are you in the wrong place? Are you in the wrong place spiritually today? You and I must protect ourselves. And the great way to protect ourselves is to get back to the right place. To get back to the right place. You may say, well, Pastor Philip, you know, you're kind of right. I'm probably doing the wrong things and I'm kind of involved in things that I know are not right. But you know what, Pastor Philip? Nothing's happening to me yet. Nothing's happening to me yet. But listen, you're in a position where it can. If I'm standing right back here at the back of the platform... And I'm standing here. Tell me, Bishop, what is my risk of falling off the edge of the platform? (laughs) I mean, I can't even jump that far even if I wanted to. There's no risk of me ever falling off the platform. Is my risk increasing as I walk towards the edge or decreasing? Okay. So what happens is we can turn around and say, well, nothing's happened to me yet. But what happens is I'm moving closer and closer to the point that there is a risk that I could easily fall. You see, when I'm in the right place, there's no risk. Come on, when I'm in that right place, there's not a risk. But when I find myself, perhaps even through complacency, but I find myself in the wrong place, I can say, well, I'm okay. I'm still up. 
But you know what? It's so much easier to fall. Has anyone got a testimony of that in their life? Come on, let me see those hands in here. How many knows what it is to fall over the edge because you were in the wrong place? Come on, put your hands up. If you would have been in the right place, how many of you would have still fallen? In the wrong place. In the wrong place. I could go on for weeks talking about getting into position and getting back into the right place. But you and I need to get back to that place that we know where we should be. I don't really have to spell it out for you because you know when you're looking over your shoulder all the time to see who's watching you. You know when you're worried about being found out. Come on, you know when there's no peace in your life. You know when there's no comfort. You know, I heard someone, a preacher say this week, if you want to know where your relationship is with God, get in the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, Adam and Eve hid. God didn't say, you better hide, I'm coming. Because His presence, they hid. Why? Because they felt ashamed. Get in the presence of God and you'll begin to realize where your life is with God. Protect yourself. Don't place yourself in those vulnerable, compromising places. Don't have those kind of movie channels on your TV. Put a lock on your internet. Get rid of the computer if you can't control what's going on. It's sometimes as simple as just thinking ahead, making plans ahead. I believe so many of us can eliminate many temptations before they even start. To avoid temptation is a lot easier than resisting it. Come on, I'm preaching the truth to you today. I'm preaching the truth. Well, I'm a Christian. I can just run through life blind. I can go anywhere, do anything. No, 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 no. Watch out. Because God says we're to have wisdom and we have to have knowledge. And wisdom doesn't go to those kind of places. Knowledge will make you aware of the reason why you shouldn't go to those places. We've got to have the wisdom and knowledge of God in our lives. Sometimes we need to be really honest with ourselves about the vulnerabilities that we have in our lives. Are we living in the edge of danger? Oh, I can handle it. But can you? Sexual temptation is such a dangerous one that comes against us. It starts with just a simple thought and then another thought is added and then desire begins to come. And then those desires begin to become actions. Stop being holy today. Come on, stop being holy today. Oh, I I don't ever have any problems. You're a liar. I said you're a liar. I'm calling you out today. Even better than that, I believe the Holy Spirit is calling you out today. And that is this, temptations are going to come. Temptations are going to come whether you're in the right place or the wrong place. But they're going to be worse in the wrong place. But temptations are coming. And you need to realize that there's entrance ways. There's areas of vulnerability in your life that you need to guard against. You need to protect yourself and run away from. Watch for temptation. The Bible says, be alert, be sober, be vigilant. That word sober means not to be inebriated, not to be drunk, where your senses have been seared or they have been numbed, that your response time is not quite what it needs to be. The Bible says, be alert, be fine-tuned. Don't let nothing inhibit your response. I know I've shared this so many times before, this illustration, but I think this is one of the greatest illustrations I've ever heard. 
Eskimos when they hunt wolves. Wolves are a risk to them too because they'll come in and attack them at night and steal their food. But also they use the wolf for food and they also use its clothing. But the way that they hunt wolves is as such. They'll take animal blood and they'll dip it into a knife. Or they'll take a knife and they'll dip a frozen blade of a knife into blood. They'll take it out and they'll let it freeze. And then they'll dip it back in again and dip it back in till they have a knife where on the blade is like a popsicle of blood. And what they will do is they will take those knives and they will stick the handle or the sheath of the knife into the ice that only the popsicle of blood is above the surface. And the wolves will catch that scent for miles. And they will run and they will fight over that popsicle. But what they'll begin to do is they'll begin to lick that popsicle that will make their tongue numb because of the cold and the freezingness. And what happens is their tongue, they don't realize, begins to lick through the blood on the knife. And the edge of the knife now is exposed. But without realizing, they begin to lacerate their tongue and literally shred their tongue. Still thinking they're drinking blood, but not realizing that now they are drinking their own blood. And they will keep doing it, and they will keep doing it, and they will keep doing it till they will bleed to death. And they will kill themselves. Are you licking your blood now? Come on. Let's just get real today. Are you licking your blood? Come on. What you think is fun. I mean, how fun really is it? Is it affecting you in greater ways than you realize? Lesson number two. Watch what you look at. Watch what you look to or watch what you look towards. Remember Lot, when Abraham and him came out, Abraham says, you take whatever you went. And the Bible says that Lot looked and he liked. And as a result of just one look, he liked, he pitched his tent towards, he ended up in living in and he found himself in Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know the rest of the story. He lost everything apart from his wife and his two children and he ended up losing his wife too. Because she turned into a pillar of salt. Started with a look. Just one look. It doesn't take long to begin to desire what we focus our lives upon. The Bible says in verse 2, From the roof David saw, and she was beautiful. Man, she was hot. She was fine. He liked it. I'm a looking and I'm a liking. You've got to realize this. You see, the sin wasn't in noticing her. The sin was in continuing to notice her and noticing her and really noticing her, studying her and to keep noticing her. In fact, the word in the original language, the Hebrew language is raha and I'm I'm killing it, but it's R-A apostrophe A-H. And the word in the original language for him seeing or he saw is this. It implies an extended gauge with enjoyment. So really what was happening was he was lusting after her and he was being aroused by what he saw. Today you don't have to look far to see immorality all around us. And this is definitely a greater struggle for us as guys. As men. I didn't say we're the only ones that struggle. 
Women struggle too, but it's a greater struggle for men because that's how men are wired visually. You don't have to even go looking for it today. It's going to find you. You can't even hardly watch the tennis now. Have you heard of the just the different things? What's her name? Venus Williams, her clothing that she's wearing. Just the different things. You don't have to go out looking for it. It comes looking for you now. It used to be a few years ago and not many years ago that you could live almost a protected life in your protected world. But now your protected world is completely invaded in every way and in every area. And it's not just through the internet. Listen to this statement. Many are sucked in through doorways that most call acceptable. Many are sucked and drawn in through doorways that most find acceptable. Watch what you watch. What are you talking about? Things like soap operas. Things like movies. Things like TV shows. Come on, romance novels. Magazines, Sports Illustrated swimsuit editions. Just comes free with your prescription. I mean, come on. Or subscription, whatever. Accepted by most, but can be just that blade sticking out of the ice. For many of us. Watch what you watch. Why? Because what you allow into you through your eyes sows a seed. And we know this, that when a seed is planted, it doesn't just come back as one. It multiplies. It grows. Point number three, watch your company. Lesson number three, watch your company. Watch those that are around you that you call friends. Watch who's around you that you call a friend. Watch those who are allowed into you, those who are allowed close to you. Proverbs says this, and I can't remember where it's at, but it says this, faithful are the wounds of a friend. What does that mean? Because if a friend wounds you, it's because they care about you. They're close enough, obviously, to do that. But sometimes some of the greatest wounds that I've ever experienced in my life were from a friend who loved me enough to tell me the truth. I'm not talking about stab me in the back. That's not a friend. I'm talking about someone who cares enough to say, hey, You're going the wrong way. We read that David turned to a messenger. We read it in verse 4. David turned to the people around him. The same ones who identified Bathsheba. He asked, who is she? And they all said, oh, you know, that's Bathsheba. They all knew who she was. But the same people who went to get her were the same people who knew that he had no business being involved with her. He tells them, go and get her. Now, these are the king's messengers, and perhaps they were afraid of disobeying the king. But listen to me. True friends would have said, David, she's married. David, don't do it. David, are you crazy? But remember, the friends, Trey, that would have said that were off at battle. Where David should have been. (laughs) They were away because I'm telling you, the wrong place will be the wrong friends. The wrong place will be the wrong company. Wrong place equals wrong friends. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33, a simple short verse, but so powerful. It says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. 
wrong or bad, unequally yoked company will corrupt you. It will change you. But listen to this. Even good people in the wrong place can also be bad company. Proverbs 27 verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. New Living Translation says, as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. Who's sharpening your life? Or who's taking the edge off your life? In other words, making your life dull. Taking off the edge that you should have. We need people around us that will hold us accountable. Accountability is an incredible thing. I said accountability is an incredible thing. A lot of the circles now, in the Pentecostal circles, they've turned around and they've labelled accountability as being a bad thing because they've said that people are more accountable to people than they are to God. If that is the case, it is a bad thing. But I believe right accountability is a great thing. As you look to live before God, you need to surround yourself with like-minded people that will hold you accountable for your relationship and walk with God. That even if they are offend you or upset you. They love you enough to say, stop. Stop. Whether you choose to listen is up to you. But as a friend, it's not our responsibility of whether they choose to listen or not. It's our responsibility to tell them the truth. Accountability will challenge you. Help you steer in the right direction. We talked about John Norman today, lost his father. John Norman took a job for six months in, I believe it was Sweden. In Sweden, it is legal to have pornography on the TV channels, on the regular channels. It is just pornography and all these movies and everything. It's right there. It's legal on their channels in most of Europe. John asked Steve Morstan, who's also been here. Steve would call John every day and he would challenge him. He said, John, have you watched that stuff today? And John said, Philip, there was times when I was flipping through the channels that it came that I was so tempted just to stay there for a little bit because I thought just a few seconds wouldn't have hurt me. But then he said, I knew that the phone was going to ring that night and Steve was going to ask me a question. Have you been watching that stuff? He says, now I could have lied and you can lie, but then that's not accountability. He said, I could have lied and told him not. He said, but there was something that I knew that when he asked me, I couldn't lie because I asked him to hold me accountable in that area. He said, and it made me change the channel. Go to another place. Write down this statement. True accountability attaches consequences to sin. Think about that. True accountability attaches consequences to sin. What does that mean? If you do that thing, there's consequences. Someone who's held accountable will realize that they attach consequences to sin. And lastly today, lesson number four, watch for your moments of decision. Watch for your moments of decision. Because if we don't watch, those moments of major decision can already be made for us, by us. What do you mean they can already be made for us, by us? Because before the big failure, sleeping with Bathsheba, that was the big failure. But before the big failure, David had already softened the blow through many smaller failures and decisions. It's those smaller multiple sins that have taken him to this crowning moment. What was the first thing? He was where he shouldn't have been. Wrong decision. What happened? The second thing was he took a look and another look and kept looking. Another decision. The third decision was he looked again and this time he lusted and says, I want that. 
Fourth decision, he plotted and he sent someone to get her. The fifth decision, he began to flirt with her and he schemed how he could take her to be his own. And the sixth decision was he took her and he acted. At any point, David could have stopped and done the right thing. But it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. And every decision will numb us a little bit more. That by the time the major decision comes, we've already made the decision for ourselves. You and I will face many such moments of decision. They may not all be major decisions. But perhaps they are setting us up for the major decision. Just a click of the mouse. Come on now. Just a click of a mouse can be just a small decision. Just to pick up that number and call 1-800-SEX-CALLS or whatever. Just to have that look at the gym at someone that's not your wife or your husband. Just that innocent conversation with someone at work. Just flirting at the office. Listen to me, a dam doesn't just break. Come on now, a dam doesn't just break. It begins with the smallest of cracks. But that crack grows and grows until one day, everything gives in. How about those cracks today? Come on, just those small little decisions, just as much as clicking that right button on that mouse and scrolling it around, picking up a phone, just looking, just the thoughts, just those little decisions, the little cracks. They may still be small. But they're preparing for your dam to burst. I know time is gone and I've already kept you for too long. But we all need to hear this today. None of us are immune to the attacks against our impurity. It will happen to you if it hasn't already happened or is happening right now. Get real with yourself. Why should we get real with ourselves? Because we can't get real with God till we get real with ourselves. He's your escape. He's your place of refuge. He's your hope. With Him you can make it through. Look quickly at Psalms 51. David prayed his prayer of repentance after he sinned with Bathsheba. Just a couple of verses I pulled out. Verse 1, David says these words, Have mercy upon me, O God. The first thing David was, he said, God, forgive me. Come on, God, I messed up. Have mercy on me. What does he go on to pray in verse 12? He goes on to pray these words. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. He says, God, be merciful to me. Forgive me, God. Restore. Give me back those things I've lost. And what's the next thing he says in verse 13? Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. What does he say? God, as I cry out for you for mercy and forgiveness, As you restore back to me those things, my life now has purpose and meaning again. And I have a future and I have a hope. And by the testimony of my life, other people are going to be saved. And their lives are going to be given over to God. I'm telling you today, God can handle it all. God can take care of your life if you'll just give it to Him. Come on, you'll just give it to Him. Come on, watch. Because it's coming. Watch what you're watching. Watch the company you're keeping. Watch for the decisions that you're making in your life. Why? Because I'm telling you this. David didn't wake up one day and say, today I'm going to mess up. 
But that day he did mess up. Why? Because just the little things. The little things. The little things. Watch for the cracks. Are you drinking your own blood today? Are you killing yourself? Crude illustration perhaps. But one that I'm sure none of you are going to forget. Because it's very powerful. It's very powerful. Purity. Holiness. Living right before God. Would you stand with me this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.